Please turn in your Bibles once again to the book of Exodus. Today we will be looking at Exodus chapter 14. The title of the message will be Against All Odds, Stand Still and See. Against All Odds, Stand Still and See. I ask this morning that you read along with me and that you would hear the word of the Lord, Exodus chapter 14. It's a very uh, well-known passage and event in the scriptures. I remember it uh, just capturing my imagination even as a little child to think about God being able to do such an amazing thing. Um, familiarity sometimes, people say, will breed contempt with us. And it's very easy for us to just kind of say, oh, yeah, I know this story. I, I, know, I know what this is all about and miss uh, some of the power and the majesty and the glory that is in it you know, for us. Um, A.W. Tozer said that our world would change, our life would change, revival would come if we would once again start reading the word of God, not a word that was once spoken, but is now speaking. And may we do that today. May it be as if you never heard it before. And may it come alive into your Spirit and heart, whatever your Red Sea that you're facing or going to face in your life, bring it here into this story. Against all odds, stand still and see. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and, and camp before Paharoth, between Migdol and the sea, over against Baal Zephon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land, though wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt that the, that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this? that we have let Israel go from serving us. And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and the captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them in camping by the sea beside Pahiroth, before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is it not this, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? 
For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than, when we, than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thy hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his host, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horsemen, his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels and they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Well, I say hallelujah. What a wonderful recorded historical event that we have. And beloved, in all the history that I've read of all the different civilizations and time periods in the world, there's no story that compares to this one about a people being... Uh, delivered and almost every culture knows this story it's one of the most well-known historical events in all the history of the world that i just read to you such was the 
uh, magnanimity of, of the event. And so we're continuing our study of Exodus as a journey of redemption. The, God's dealings with the nation of Israel and the people of Israel and how he brought them out of their captivity, how he caused them to be uh, passed over and to come out from among the world. It's all a picture of the spiritual redemption that the children of God have in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Moses was a savior and redeemer to them naturally, Jesus, he typifies Jesus Christ who is our savior and, and redeemer. And so here is another instance of that great picture and of our journey of redemption. And so in our title, we said that this story happens against all odds, against all odds. Do you ever feel like that in your life, that the odds are stacked against you, right? That you've, you've come uh, to the end, right? Uh, maybe even as you've gotten older, maybe your life isn't falling apart, but maybe you feel like your body is, right? And, uh, and sometimes it's just like Jacob. You remember Jacob of old in the Old Testament. He said, all these things be against me. And listen, in this world, as far as the world is concerned and the devil is concerned, he has tried to do this against the children of God. He has always tried to make it where the odds are stacked against the children of God. He wants to make their way hard. He wants to make their way difficult. He wants to entangle them. He wants to shut them in. But God will always be there to break their bands asunder with every temptation that has taken you. Know that God also shall make a way of what? Of escape. Hallelujah. Our God is of that way. And so here are these two million people and they are chariotless, right? They have no chariots. They have no spearmen. They have no swords. They have no armor. All that they had was everything that they could grab and their shirts on their back. And they didn't even have time to cook their bread. Y'all remember they had uncooked bread in their bag. But they are following God. They received their marching orders. But now they are on their way and, and they are fleeing and going toward a way that would seem natural the way that you would want to go, if you look at the geography of the land, they were going a way that would put them further away from Egypt and from Pharaoh. They were putting Pharaoh, as it was, in the rearview mirror. And it's, just, and it's as if, if, the Bible doesn't say this, but this is the way I kind of picture it in my mind. It's as if the Lord said, you know what? I'm not done with it. Yes, I, I took away uh, their, their crops. I took away their cattle. I took away their wealth. But you know, I, I left a huge army there, and I left a proud-hearted king. And sure enough, if, if I leave him there like that in just, in just a little while when the time is right, he's going he's gonna to try to hurt my people again. Now, God doesn't think that way. <laughs> That, that's me kind of putting my spin on it. But it's, it's as if that. And it was as if, too, that God knew that his people 
were still more afraid of Pharaoh than they were of him. They, their, their shackles had been taken off. They had gotten out of Egypt, but Egypt hadn't gotten out of them. Do you feel that way sometimes in your own life? That you've gotten out of the world, but the world's still inside of you. You need to get Egypt out of you. And so it is really amazing when you look at it on the map that God told Moses and he made them turn. Remember, he was leading them with the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day. And the cloud turned and God told Moses what he was doing. He told Moses. Moses was in on God's plan. And God made them turn and come back and made them encamp and settle in a place that was the most unstrategic militarily situation and place that they could have put themselves in. Because the sea was behind them, the mountains were on either side, and the wilderness was in front of them. There was nowhere for them to go as they saw Pharaoh and his chariots approach unto them. And so God put them in a place. This was God's doing. And listen, beloved. Uh, Sometimes in your life, God is also going to do this in your life. And He has done it in my mind, in my life, where it would seem that it was against all odds that I should trust in the Lord, that I should believe in the Lord. But, beloved, Those that believe in God walk by faith and not by sight. And so this is some of what God is doing. Here you had, against all odds, we have the wilderness, we have the Red Sea, and we have Pharaoh who hates their guts driving his horses like uh, the hounds of hell. He wants to ride down and trample them all. He doesn't want them to come back and serve him. He wants to destroy and kill them all. And what does the Bible say that the thief has come to do? The devil. Don't you see the devil behind it all? The thief has come to steal, to kill and destroy. And you can see this. And so this is what the children of Israel are looking at. And their hearts were faint because they had not come far in their journey or in their faith yet. They were still weak in faith. Hallelujah. That Moses had been walking with the Lord for some time and God had already brought Moses through circumstances like this and had prepared him to steady their hearts and to lead them through this moment. But it was against all odds. But now what God is going to do, he is going to bless them to stand still and see. To stand still and see. And what are they going to see? They're going to see God fight for them. They're going to see God do a miracle that's going to be the most well-known miracle and the well, most well-known historical deliverance that the world has ever known. All of, almost all the writers of Scripture point back to this at some point in the writings, the majority of them point that back to this. And there's even several things that we can look at that where it speaks to our redemption specifically. But I think that... When we stand still today also, and we look back at this instance of the Red Sea deliverance, where, they, where it was against all odds, we can look at the things in our lives. What are you facing? 
You're facing a health crisis. Maybe you're facing old age. Maybe you're facing uh, not knowing the purpose or direction that God wants you to go in your life. All, really, all of life, beloved, is a Red Sea trial of faith. It really is. <laughs> there's a wall on this side. There's a wall on this side. And there's enemy pursued. The destroyer is pursuing, it feels like. But you're walking on dry land. The rod of God is before you and the way is open before you. And there is a pillar of fire that is guiding and, and protecting us. It, this is amazing. And so as we stand still and we look back and see this and we view it with the eye of how does this speak to my redemption? I believe most deeply that in the scope of redemption, this speaks of the resurrection not only of the Lord Jesus Christ, but our resurrection as well. Remember how that the, the Passover lamb and the Passover event and, and the unleavened bread and the giving of that, it is the greatest Old Testament example of Jesus Christ's sacrifice upon the cross and our redemption through that. But what would that be without the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And so, yes, they have been passed over. Their sins have been atoned for. The blood of the Lamb has been applied, but there's even something more wonderful, and that is the resurrection that we're going to experience in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the greatest picture of this for us to stand still and see that it was death was sure. They were as good as dead, right? But God opened up a way. And gave them victory over death. And they passed through and saw all their enemies destroyed before them. And so it is, is the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that it is also a great picture of our baptism as well. Because our baptism is a picture of what? The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just very quickly, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, because I just want to get this one uh, just before we uh, dive off into the deep, here into the deep blue sea, or the Red Sea. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul, like I said, so many of the writers always allude back to this amazing event. And it's something that we need to see, that God has given us a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and ours, but also of the importance and the significance of baptism in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all what? Passed through the sea and were all what? And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea it would be a great picture, symbol in redemption of our baptism as well to be immersed, right? To be as good as dead and then to be brought out on the other side to a newness of life free from our old life and our enemies destroyed. Hallelujah. So we see those things just as a big picture thing against all odds, stand still and see. Against all odds, wilderness, 
Red Sea chariots, stand still and see resurrection, baptism. But then the last is the sufficiency of God. Because what this overarching thing should teach you and I today, if God could deliver two million people through ten miles of Red Sea on dry land and bring them all to the other side, young, old, mixed company alike, unbelieving, fearful, trembling, all to the other side. What can he not deliver you and I from in our lives or our day? Whatever Red Sea that we face, our God is sufficient. Israel, except for Moses being used by God to raise the rod, we, we find no human means in existence at use in this deliverance. But we, but we do see that the scripture says that it was by faith. It was by faith that they passed through the Red Sea. Faith. But faith is not in and of ourselves, is it? It is the gift of God so that we shouldn't boast in anything of any deliverances that we have in our life. That God gave us the faith to pass through. We give Him all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. Amen? All right, let's dive into this Red Sea. Now, what this teaches us to me, big picture, number one, is that sometimes our journey will be extremely difficult. Sometimes our journey and the journey of life will seem extremely difficult. Lord, what right, Lord, what are you doing? We were on our way out and you've turned us back. And now you have us encamped by the Red Sea and you're allowing the enemy to come down upon us. God, you know, it's no wonder they said, and you can hear the sarcasm in their voices. They said, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here? Uh, Do we need to have this much property to be buried in? Right? They said, this is what I was afraid of, that if I followed God and I got baptized and I listened to God, that my life would get harder and I would face all these difficulties. Yes. Yes. That's what you signed up for. You didn't sign up for, for the easy life or, or a roastern pathway, but the way of suffering unto salvation for the glory of God. Sometimes our journey will be extremely difficult. All of All of life is a Red Sea trial of faith. The psalmist would say it this way, uh, and you know this one well, but I'm going to turn to it, and I think that you do too. For whatever you're facing today, you know, we know each other's lives here pretty good. We kind of know what we're all facing uh, in our lives as a close body, but there are secret things of the heart that, that we don't know about each other, right? Somebody in here... Uh, today uh, might be really up against it at this moment in their life, and none of us really even know about it. Did y'all hear about the the young football player at Mississippi State, a freshman, had his whole life and career, was beloved by by his teammates, by his family, by the whole community there, and takes his life. And, and no one knew from the outside that inside he was so broken and empty and desolate. Well, here, listen to this. Let God's word 
speak into your life again today. Think about the children of Israel here against all odds, of mountains, wilderness, chariots. 19, Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now that doesn't sound like good news, does it? Is it true, beloved? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord, the God of heaven, the Father, our Father God, He has had one son without sin. Amen? But He has had no sons without suffering. Oh, how the son suffered. How often it was against all odds for him. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but we can't leave it there, can we? But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Hallelujah. And so we see, uh, it's really beautiful. I, I want us to look here, and I want you to focus. Turn your eyes back into the chapter, uh, to chapter 2, I mean to uh, verse 2 of chapter 15. There are three places that are mentioned here. Now, the Holy Spirit specifically has these places mentioned in the Word of God. I think to prove the historicity of the event, but also the names of these places are very significant in regards to what happened in the story. So when we think about our life as a Red Sea trial of faith, we think about these places. So this is kind of neat to me. Uh, the first one, Pahahirath, means the place of liberty. Hmm. What is fixing to happen in the story? The people of God are fixing to not only be set free from their captivity completely and finally and be given liberty, but they're all go- also going to see that that had captivated them destroyed as well. And so know that in your life, your Red Seas, your places of difficulty, the odds being stacked against you, oftentimes God is, what he's doing, he's delivering you from Egypt. And he's delivering Egypt out of you through these instances in your life so that you learn to grow in faith and trust in the Lord and to not trust in the arm of the flesh or worldly wisdom or to be your own deliverer, this was going to be a place of liberty. Well, the second one, Migdal, means fortress. It means fortress. What a mighty fortress is our God. Amen. Here we see them. They didn't have any swords. They didn't have any uh, uh, chariots. Uh, They didn't have any ships for which they could sail away on, right? No wood even to build a raft. If you wanted to, how are you going to get two million people on rafts, right? And so here God was a fortress unto them. Moses said, look, you just stand still. Quit being afraid. You're going to see God fight for you. And God was like a fortress with, did you notice about that, that, that pillar of fire and that cloud? God put it in between them and the Egyptians, right? While they were passing through the Red Sea on dry land, it said that the cloud on this side was a light and it was a blessing to them. But on the other side, God was making a terror to their enemies. 
What a mighty fortress is our God. The walls that should have been terrifying on either side were like a fortress to protect them from the enemy. Right? A fortress. And then the last one, Baal Zephon, the God who judges. The God of judgment. Right? And we see God judge uh, not only the Egyptians, but He also tries the heart of His people. Listen, God's going to try your faith. He is. And the trial of your faith is a precious thing unto the Lord. But I think in this, in the difficulty, in the extreme difficulty of our journey sometimes, we maybe we would think that well, if I get baptized, if I join the church, well, then the devil's going to leave me alone. Well, then the old man that's inside of me, that, that person that I struggle with so much, he's just going to leave me alone. He's just going to go away because I followed Jesus. I was baptized, and, and I'm a member of, of the church, and I'm going to have my brothers and sisters. Well, listen, beloved, that is going to greatly strengthen your wall with God to to be baptized to walk in obedience to Christ there's going to be blessings that come to you that you can't get any other way and to be a part of his church you're you are going to receive uh, an incredible amount of blessings and strength but listen that is not going to deter the devil one bit from trying to continue to pursue you and destroy you it only makes his hatred against you worse Pharaoh, I would say, and I would submit to you, hates the children of Israel now more than he ever did before. And he thinks they've messed up, right? He thinks, he says, what are they doing? They've turned back and they've put themselves, he said, they've become entangled in the land. They're, they're shut in. And now's my chance to pounce on them and destroy them. Have you ever felt the devil try to do that in your life? Oh, they're going down for the count. Now I can put the boots to them. But what the devil would use to destroy you, God will use to make you stronger, beloved. And this is a place where he is judged. But I think that this in redemption and in our journey, it is a great reminder for us to remember that Satan and the world will violently oppose our salvation. This world is not your friend. And Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you see it here in this story, don't you? That they say the world and the devils, and well, the devil was the devil in. Pharaoh said, why did we let them go? We want them to come back and serve us. And no doubt they probably wanted their stuff back. <laughs> right? They started missing their stuff and their servants. And they said, we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to get what's ours. You belong to us. But no, they belong to God. Right? But just remember that Satan and the world is going to be that way. And to be careful, here I see in this story, be careful in the lifting of the eyes. Did you see this in verse 10? Now, go from verse 2 to verse 10. And because this is very careful where we put our sight. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel did what? They lifted up their eyes, and behold, 
The Egyptians marched after them, and they were what? Sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. They were sore afraid. This means that they were almost paralyzed with fear. Well, this is what the devil tries and likes to do to us. He, he wants us to get our eyes on our troubles, our eyes on what we don't have, our eyes on even him and on the enemy. And be careful with the lifting of the eyes that the lifting up your eyes is not occupied with circumstance or with surrounding because this is fatal to your peace. It's fatal to your peace. Now, I'm not saying don't pay attention to what's going on around you. You must and we must. We're to be wise. We're to be sober. We're to be vigilant. We're to be watchful like you talked about this morning. But our focus needs to be on Christ, on God, on the cause, on the march, right? And so just, just be careful. And so I think the outstanding lesson here is, in this part we're talking about now, the against all odds, I think the outstanding lesson here is, is that God always delivers us. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the enemy, no matter what the surrounding, God is always going to, de to deliver his people in this life or in the life to come. Remember what the three Hebrew children said as they were facing the fiery furnace? He said, they said, uh, you think your God is able to deliver you from these flames, from this fiery furnace? He's like, y'all are out of your mind, right? And I, I love their answer because they didn't just say, yes, he is able to deliver us. But their answer was, Yes, he's able to deliver us, but if he does or if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down uh, uh, to this. You see, those men were captives, but those men were free in their, in their heart. And they knew that God always delivers. And so I just want to remind you of that. You might not be facing a Red Sea at the moment, but many of you have. And if you haven't, you will if you love and follow uh, the Lord. But just remember as you lift up your eyes and you see that, to also remember that the Lord is always going to deliver His people. Just want to read you the truth of that from the book of Romans. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 8 if you want to go with me here. Because this is what it teaches us. It really teaches us the truth of this first verse that I'm going to read. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? To what things? To all the things that are against us. To the odds that are stacked against us. To all these things that he mentions at the end. Death, life, principalities, powers, distress, tribulations, persecutions, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, all these things against all odds. He said you'll never be separated from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nay, in all these things you shall be more than conquerors through Him that loved us because God is for us. 
And I don't care if the mountains are on either side. And I don't care if it's only the wilderness that is before us. And, and Pharaoh is marching down on us. God will part the Red Sea. And hold the waters back. And we'll walk across on dry land. And we'll see the enemy destroyed before us. It's a great picture even of the end of time, isn't it? Of what is coming. Oh, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? For who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also making intercessions for us. What does this mean, Brother Nathan? It means that when you, sinner, by grace stand before the throne of God's judgment, that you will not even be able to condemn yourself. You will not even be able to speak and say that you have done this and that sin because you cannot. The devil cannot come in there and say, this person sinned. I saw him, I was there. I'm the one that tempted him and he failed. The devil can't say it there. No angel can say anything. No human being can say anything. There's only one that can condemn. You and I. It will be the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one at the judgment that can speak. And he said, why would I condemn you? When I died, so that you might be justified. Oh, if God be for you, who can be against you? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is what? Risen again. What were the two things we said? We said the Passover, the the Lamb's blood. That speaks of the death of Jesus Christ and our redemption by His blood. Right? And and Paul just said he, He spared not His Son. He freely gave him up for us. But now we see, but who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is what? That is risen again. Here is the Red Sea, the resurrection. Who is at the right hand of God, who also making intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written? For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter nay, and all these things. We are more than conquerors. Nikea. Through him that loved us. Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful chapter. Amen. All against all odds. Right? Romans chapter 8 begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation. Hallelujah. Secondly, secondly, beloved, sometimes it may seem that the journey is over. No doubt, people in the crowd, people in the two million, they thought, well, hey, it was good while it lasted. Right? We got out of Egypt. Man, you know, we saw God do all the plagues, and and we got out, but, you know, I kind of felt like it was all too good to be true, right? It's all just too good to be true, Brother Nathan. And here it is that the, the naysayers, the, the critics, you know, they come to Moses and we knew it. We knew what you promised was fool's gold. But, you know, we just, 
we wanted to believe, we wanted to step out and, and try to get free, but you know, here we are at the Red Sea and, and there Pharaoh is coming down us and, and you put us here in a big trap and uh, you know, it's all over. It's all over. Boy, it sounds like the journey is over. What's up, Brother Nathan? This exodus, this journey of redemption, it looks like it's over. Beloved, but know that sometimes it is not that God is bringing you to the end, but God is bringing you to the end of yourself. Yes. And that's what He's doing with Israel. He's not bringing them to the end of the journey. It's only the beginning. But He is bringing them to the end of themselves and their doubts and their fears and their slavish heart that still feels like Pharaoh has them in his grips. Like, doesn't the devil do that to you sometimes? Oh, I still got you, old girl. You, you, said, you said you were going to quit worrying, but I know you. I know you worry just as much as you always have. I know you said you were going to quit gossiping. I know you are going to said you were going to start eating better. Or you were going to give up that nicotine or that lust. But I still got you. I still got you. You're, you say you belong to Jesus, but we know that whenever I want you, I can pursue after you and I can get you. If I can reach you, I can get you. Right? And you just feel like sometimes, I know you, Lord, it's just all over. Y'all remember old Elijah, right? A good prophet Elijah. Do y'all remember him? And he had to go through some hard times, right? Sometimes he said, Lord, uh, I'm, I, I'm the only one left, right? It's just me out here against all odds. He got to no, I have 7,000. They have not bowed the knee to Baal. Here we find old Jezebel's after him, right? And uh, this is First Kings, if you just want to write it down, 19.4. If you want to uh, turn with me, it just makes me feel a little bit better about myself sometimes because we're all like this sometimes. Our faith is weak. But he, went in, he, went, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might what? That he might die. He said, Lord, it's the end of the way. It's the end of the journey. You know, uh, there's just no more fight left in me. And he said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. Is that not echo what they were saying to Moses in our story in Exodus 14, right? Oh, beloved, how absurd, how absurd the reasoning of fear and unbelief. It's absurd, isn't it? It caused Israel as a whole to fail in the hour of testing, not only at this point, but in several points throughout the wilderness wanderings. Evil heart of what? Of unbelief, which is brought on by the wrong kind of fear. Beloved, listen to me and listen to your God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ and listen to the Holy Spirit. It is only over when God says it is over. 
It was not over by the Red Sea. It was not over in the lion's den. It was not over in the fiery furnace. It was not over at the cross. Beloved, it's never over until God says it's over for them and for us. Sometimes it may seem the journey is over. And always with this, what the scripture in chapter 14, it calls the entanglement or being shut in. Right, he says, they become entangled in the land. They're shut in, right? And we feel that way sometimes. The world pressing in on us as children of God. Our society and the evils of it pressing in on us, on the church, on our marriages, on our families. But there's a way for us to go. There's a God who fights for us and is with us. He was with them. Right? If God be for us, who can be? God was with them. He was with them in the pillar of fire and the pillar of the cloud. I said, I looked through it to see uh, the enemy and I discomfited them and destroyed them. Always with the entanglement that we feel or the being shut in. This was the message. <laughs> this was the message. Go, go back with me here. Let's just listen to this. They were so afraid, verse 10, verse 11. And when they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it is better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. It's all over. We told you so. Why'd you get our hopes up? And Moses said, unto them, unto the people. Fear ye not, and here's where we make our turn. It was against all odds, now we make the turn. Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, right? And and so what he begins uh, to tell them, look at verse 14, we're going to skip. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore cross thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel that they what? Here it is. Here's the key. What did he say to them? That they go what? Forward. Forward. You can't go back. Lot's wife tried to look back. Turned to what? Salt sculpture, right? Pillar of salt. There's no, there's no armor for the back. He said, go forward. So when you feel that entanglement, when you feel that being shut in, you're just trusting For that promised way of escape, you're going to go forward trusting the Lord. And you're going to find the wall, the Red Sea part, and dry land, and victory, and salvation, and God. Okay, let's finish up. Now, against all odds, we've seen that sometimes the journey will be extremely difficult. Sometimes it will seem that we've just come to the end, but it's not the end. God is just bringing us to the end of ourselves, right? Now, he says, against all odds, stand still and see. So thirdly, we will have to make stands in the journey. You're going to have to make stands in your life, beloved. You're going to make stands with the man of God and with God's word and with the people of God. And we're, we're commanded, but our standing and seeing will all begin with the cry, fear not. 
you'll never be able to stand still and see if you're always looking at the wrong thing. If you're looking at the enemy, if you're looking at the circumstances, there's the, the command to fear not comes before stand still and see. You have to make that turning of the eyes to realize that God is greater than my problems. God is greater than my problems. Fear not. Even if no man stands with you, the Lord will stand. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said at my first stand? No man stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, as he, in, verse, in chapter 6, you remember he's, he's gearing us up for war, right? He knew how Apostle Paul went through so much. We hear his list of things that he suffered, and, he, and God told him, you will suffer much for my namesake. You're going to stand before kings and show them how great things he must suffer, right? Paul knew that God's people needed that, that armor, but they needed it to make a stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, Israel here just wanted to lay down and die. <laughs> right? They just wanted to just lay down and quit. We've all felt that way so tough. Fear does that to you. You know, usually in a terrible circumstance, there's a, there's a thing that they call a syndrome. It's fight or flight. Right? Well, there was no way to fight, and there was nowhere to fight for them. So they said, we're just going to just lay down. Till it's over. But God said, no, you're going to stand. My people stand. My people stand. He said, take it that you may be able to withstand. Take that whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to what? To stand. God was teaching them, look, you're going to have to make stands in this life. That fear is a liar. And it's not just us that struggle with this. Look, don't, don't, don't think that you're the only scaredy cat in the room. Say, Brother Nathan, you're so strong. And Brother Jeff, you're so strong. No, we ain't. We're weak as water without the Lord. Maybe, maybe we have learned over experience and over time and through the study of God's Word to overcome fear. But the fear is still there. Listen, listen to all the people that he had to say in the scriptures to fear not. Abraham, the father of our faith, what did he say to him? First thing, fear not. Joshua, the great conqueror, the one who put his foot on the necks of all of his enemies and everywhere that he went, he conquered and he won. What did God have to say to him at the very beginning? Joshua, fear not. Fear not. David, the great giant killer, the mighty warrior of God. He had to say to him, fear not, fear not. Jesus to the disciples, fear not, little flock. You know, fear is a liar. And it causes us to fall and to flee when we need to. By faith, stand. Faith is the overcomer of fear. Right? Amen. Sometimes, beloved, 
I hope you're taking notes. Sometimes just doing what is right will be how you conquer the foe and win the day. And it will be some of the toughest things you ever do in your life. Just doing what is right. Just making a stand. So, beloved, what are you standing for? What will you stand for? And why will you stand? He said, stand still and see. And he said, I want you to go for it. I want you to march right through that sea to the other side. And they obeyed the Lord as Moses held that rod. And God uh, parted that. Uh, from, from estimates of historians, it was a 10-mile walk. It was a 10-mile stretch. They walked all night. But then the morning came. Hallelujah. And that's what we get to now. Lastly, as we close, we will still see ultimate victory in the journey. Yes, it's going to seem like it's over. Yes, it's going to be extremely difficult sometimes. But we're, by faith, we're going to make stands with God. And in the end, we will still see ultimate victory for the journey. Beloved, today by faith in this passage, see the rod. See the rod today. It's still lifted today. That's, that's your marker of which way to go. See the rod, which is symbolic of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. See the rod. See the dry land. See it. Feel it between your toes today, your spiritual toes. See the enemy at the end of our story no more. Isn't that amazing how that, that said that? He said, you see these Egyptians? He said, this is the last time that you're going to see them. I want to encourage those of you that are older, whose bodies are failing, who really probably truly feel like, Lord, I am coming to the end. It's just a little while, and you'll be on the other side. And you'll see these enemies, the enemies that you fought all your life. You'll see them no more, beloved. You'll even see the great enemy, the devil himself, cast away forever in that great promised land. Long may be the night of our fight, but oh, the morning of our triumph. Oh, the morning. God said when morning time came and all his people we're on the other side. That God removed his restraining hand from that sea. And Moses lifted up the rod again. And all that they feared was destroyed before their eyes. And they saw them no more. And this brought forth the knowledge and experience of this truth. Exuded worship out of the people of God. God here not only sets them free. But before their trembling eyes, he destroys their oppressors forever. As Christ has done with death and the devil for us. And so, we just read as we close Exodus 15. Are you with me? 
Israel now is out of Egypt. They're free, completely free. God has destroyed their enemies that will pursue them. They will not fear them, Egypt, anymore. Right? And so, beloved, this is why when you come into this house, you should worship God so hard. <laughs> because as they saw God do all of this for, for them naturally, and they worship God here in this chapter, when you and I come into this house and we realize what all Christ has done for us spiritually, that's why we should worship Him so hard with everything that we have. It's not just songs that we sing. It's, it's the reality of our relationship and victory in Jesus Christ. You will see ultimate victory. If you, by faith, have the blood applied to your life, if you pass through the sea, and identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how the odds are stacked against you. You're going to make stands. And one day you're going to see ultimate victory. In the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the promise of this story. And of the word of God. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake. I will sing unto the Lord. For he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider hath he thrown into the sea. Well my goodness. The song that they had sung before was like an old country jukebox song. My watch left me. I, it's all over. I don't have any hope. That was just the morning before. That was their song. But oh, how the verses have changed. Hallelujah. The Lord is my strength in my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare Him a habitation. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. How, how different then. Man, we should have just stayed in Egypt. We should have just died there serving the Egyptians. I'm glad. I'm glad Moses was there to say, y'all shut that mess up. Y'all fixing to blow this whole thing. Remember they did it. This generation did it later when he sent them to spy out the land. Yeah. And they came back and said, oh, their jobs were grasshoppers in their eyes. So the guy says, okay, 30 more years in the wilderness ought to, ought to do the trick. All of you are going to die in the wilderness that don't believe. Right? But here, let's don't focus on that. Let's focus on this. Pharaoh's chariots and his host had he cast into the sea. His chosen captives also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in thy greatness and thy excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. And the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. That's the voice of Satan in all of our lives. We hear his hiss of the serpent. But thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Just as Satan and all his hosts will sink into the depths of hell one day by the command of God. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? 
Thou stretchest out thy right hand, and the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast what? Redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength into thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold of the inhabitants of, of Palestina, where they were headed. The dukes of Edom shall be amazed, and mighty men of Moab trembling shall take hold upon all them, as the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of thine arm. They shall be as still as a stone till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. And they did. They heard the story of the Red Sea. There's actually... Uh, a place there that the Arabians named the deliverance of Israel in honor of what God did there. By the way, the Muslims even recognize the Old Testament as the word of God. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in. In the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. The Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them, and the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And here the sisters had to get in on it too. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out, after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And that's where we'll end in the journey. But the journey continues. They all thought it was the end. But beloved, but beloved, but beloved, it's not over until God says it's over. May the Lord bless you and keep you is our prayer. Amen. All right, let's stand.